Another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got a really good one. We're going to first start off, I'm going to be solo for just a couple minutes here as we recap what went down at Atlanta, talk about the action on the track, my thoughts on the race, and then how our bets did, because we did pretty, pretty good uh, looking back at it. And then we're going to bring on... A guest. I kind of promised, since I'm on IR for hockey right now, and I'm, you know, schedule not too crazy. I've got a guest, and the first one uh, that we've got here is a familiar face. Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast is going to join me in just a few minutes for the majority of this episode, um, and we're going to be doing a number of different things, talking about how his season is going on the Flag Hunting Pod with their bets. Talk about the toolhangers.com one and done pool, maybe a little silly season talk, and then we're going to break down New Hampshire and build a card for this weekend. So I'm really excited to chat with Chris here in just a few minutes. So that's what you can expect on this episode. But real quick, before I bring Chris on, we are going to take a look back at New Hampshire because I got to say, my hand is up, okay? My hand is up. I have to admit, that Atlanta was pretty damn entertaining, all right? Now, I don't know what it was. I I was loving the racing. Coming out of the spring race, my thought process was that they were drafting, but there really wasn't much movement at the front of the pack, and, you know, it kind of raced like a a Texas, just like super fast, essentially. Um, And I kind of gave those thoughts, you know, last week on the podcast, how I wasn't necessarily totally bought in on the whole super speedway element to Atlanta. But I have to say, I was wrong. It's not that the action was just like Daytona where, you know, you had like huge trains like passing each other every lap. It still was pretty much like running in the same order. But the racing every lap still was you're you're on your edge of your seat. I mean, it was like at any moment. I don't know if it was a little different. I don't know why I felt different this time. I don't know if it was the night race element to it. But, yeah, the, the guys that were running up front for the most part were still running up front wasn't like there was passing for the lead every single lap but the way they were racing you kind of felt like chaos could break out at any moment just like any other super speedway so i will cave and say yeah it has that super speedway entertainment to it has that factor to it and i was thoroughly enjoying that race uh the night race i think made it a lot cooler and my suggestion i know that nascar Probably has their schedule already built out. They haven't announced it yet, but thinking about it, coming off of that race on Sunday, where my mind was going was it would be really cool if we could have the Folds of Honor race every 4th of July at night. So not necessarily the 4th of July, but that weekend, right? Because most people have vacation. They plan their long weekends around the 4th of July weekend. So that way... We can have Memorial Day with the Coke 600 night race. We can have the 4th of July weekend with the Folds of Honor Atlanta Super Speedway night race. And then whatever race is at the end of the schedule for Labor Day, whether it's 
um, Darlington or whatever. It's another night race on a long weekend. That's what I would do if I was Ben Kennedy in NASCAR. But um, I, you know, digress. Really cool. I'm bought in on Atlanta, and it actually made me jealous. You know, our, our guy Derek Yoder, he was down there, and I was <laughs> saying to myself, "Damn, I got to get down there next year somehow." So that's how good it was. Really changed my opinion uh, for the better. Now, the action on the track, bit of a range-shortened race, and this was a totally polarizing situation. Uh, there were some good things to this and some bad things. I was kind of sad to see it end because of how much I was enjoying it. Now, we saw Brad Kozlowski, for example, kind of have this race. I wouldn't say it was stolen from him, but because of the rain, things really got out of whack for them, and, and he was really um, sitting pretty up there with a, a good opportunity for him to um, get that dub, but they were faced with a, a fuel situation and, and had to pit. And just what the rain didn't get there quick enough for the 16 to break their streak. But uh, it was actually a happy night for me when the rain came because and I feel a little weird calling this out, but we had Byron 16 to one. I didn't talk about Byron at all on the podcast league week last week excuse me so there's that but i always say follow me on instagram and, and twitter i always post my card every sunday or every race day on instagram in the story section there for people to check out to see if they like anything what i have going on i always post my podcast picks the picks that we talked about and then i have an ad section and for whatever reason i woke up on sunday saw that byron was 16 and one and i said you know what i, I got to jump on him i don't know why he didn't qualify well it, Nothing really other than the fact that I know that Hendrick has been good uh, in that race and that value for one of the best drivers this season just stuck out to me. So I just took it kind of on a whim and ends up hitting because of the rain. So I feel a little dirty about it, um, you know, kind of bragging about it. That's why you didn't see me like chirping on Twitter, like, look at me, look at me. Uh, but at the same time, hey, I'll take a, a victory. Absolutely. And that's not where the, the dubs ended for us. I mean, that some of the podcast picks we really knocked out of the park here. Um, so we talked about Brad Kozlowski for a top 10 at plus 105. That hit. And then there was a lot of talk last week about head-to-heads on super speedways. I get it. There are some people that don't like it uh, because, for the most part, you're taking some minus money on head-to-head action and, you know, it usually doesn't play out. Well, for us last week at Atlanta, it played out in a big way. Four for four on the podcast picks, uh, or excuse me, three for three on the podcast picks and then one for one on the ads for head-to-head. So um, really happy with the way that played out. We had Blaney over Logano, and we actually had him over Hamlin as well on the card. Um, That was just a throw-in. And then Elliott over Hamlin, Chastain over Larson. Got a little lucky there. Sometimes it's a little better to be lucky than good uh, because they finished like 35th and 36th. But uh, then we added Suarez over LaJoy, and that hit easily. He finished second. So really good stuff there. And then uh, just got done finishing the NASCAR betting preview show. And last week we had a conversation around Christopher Bell versus Truex. We talked about uh, shaving the beard bet. That never really followed through, but I was tracking that bet just in case I got forced to shave my beard, and Bell won that matchup for us as well. So uh, just a really good race all around for the card and um, feeling really happy coming out of a super speedway type race 
in the green. Now, talk about some of the misses. We flip-flopped on Eric Almirola. We had a long conversation on the pod last week with Almirola. Talked about, you know, do we like him for a top 10? Or do we like Stenhouse over him in a head-to-head matchup? And on the betting card, I flip-flopped. I changed my mind. I said, you know what, this dude put the car on the pole. I really like what he's got going on. We're going to go with the top 10 instead of the head-to-head. And that was at plus 140. That missed uh, dismally there. And Stenhouse, to make matters worse, wins that head-to-head matchup. So if we had stuck to our guns, we would have been 5 for 5 for head-to-heads. But we ended up just not taking that matchup all around. Uh, Jones, Eric Jones, we called out for a plus 200 top 10. And he finished 11th. Just missed. We were so close. Uh, So that one was... You know, normally that would be tough to swallow, but we had a, a really good day, so a little easier to, to digest that one. And we had Christopher Bell for a top Toyota, and he was sitting pretty. After the Hamlin spin, he was the top Toyota, or it was either him or Wallace, and they were right there, and then something happened to both of them. I, I don't know what they did. They chose to pit for whatever reason, but that one ends up not hitting. And then the last one, we threw in a, a Harvick top 10 as one of the ads, and, and that missed as well. But overall... Really good day for the podcast at Atlanta. And so the racing was good. I had fun watching it, and we won some money. I would say that checks all the boxes that we're looking for. So good weekend, and we're going to look to keep the good vibes going. So I mentioned we've got a guest coming on this week and just about to sit down and record with him. So this is Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast. He is a recurring guest. Um one of the first guys to jump on and, and do the full tank face off that we had going when we first started bringing guests on uh, a couple years ago. And he's a co-host of the flag hunting podcast. If you listen to this one, this podcast, you know, Chris by now, because he's been on a, a bunch and had him earlier in the year to do a, a preview for the silly season stuff. Um, so just a lot of good stuff. And I figured, Hey, why would I give out like my picks and then bring Chris on? Now, let me bring Chris on for the whole time. We'll have a great conversation, and then we're going to build our betting card together for the podcast this week. So you can find this conversation out there on YouTube as well. So without further ado, here's Chris. So now I am very thrilled to bring back a great recurring guest and someone that if you're a fan of this podcast, you're probably a fan of the Flag Hunting Podcast as well. And we're bringing on Chris to talk New Hampshire with us this week. Chris, how are you doing coming off of Atlanta? Well, Atlanta was uh, not so kind to us in the betting market, but as a race, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, honestly, I am stoked to be here tonight. I always love coming on the show with you. Um I think we have like a. We, I know we're not doing the head to head tonight, but we have like a little back and forth every time we we I come on here. We, it's like a. It's like we're like a boxing match going back and forth with the head to head battle. So um, fun to actually be on the same team tonight. <laughs> that, that's right. So to give you the breakdown of what we'll be talking with Chris about tonight, um, we're going to start just hearing from Chris how his season's been going, talking with Ian and and the flag hunting pod as a gen in general you know, umbrella with their bets this season. We want to hear what's going on. And then uh, we're going to talk a little silly season because Chris and I, I think we're the kings of silly season. We, we love getting together to chop it up about that on and off air. And um, we're going to touch on the tool hangers one and done pool. Um, and 
we're both not necessarily doing well there, but we'll have some fun talking about it and, and give some props to those who need calling out. And then we'll get into New Hampshire, um, talk about our data sets and um, what we're going to do, as Chris alluded to. We'll do a full tank face off this year, Chris. I, I guarantee it. We'll, we'll have to have you on maybe like for playoffs um, and whatnot. But tonight we're going to build a card together and uh, bounce some bets off of each other. I've got a, a list of drivers just to kind of throw your way and, you know, we'll, we'll get to the logistics of that. But we're on the same team tonight, as you said. So it will be fun to, to do this as a team tonight. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it all. So to start, tell me how the year's been going for you, Chris. Uh, 2023 in a nutshell, we'll, we'll start with the, the NASCAR side of things, and, and you can also touch on Ian's side with the, the golf because flag hunting pod, for those who don't know, it's a combo pod with Chris and his buddy Ian who, who covers the golf world, and you guys just give out bets just all the time, nonstop, two different sports. It, it's just a, a plethora of information, so – How's the year going for you here in the, the middle of the summer? Pretty good, honestly. We're we're both kind of firing all cylinders over this year. Uh, Ian's up 198 units on the so far this year. He's hit outright, I think, two of the last three weeks, I think, to kind of really bounce his season around. Um, and I'm up 42 units. So um, honestly, it's it's been it's been good. We've we've had some good fortune. Um, but yeah, if anyone who had, hasn't followed our cards before, we are. When we hit, we hit big. I mean, that's what we do. We are we are flag hunting. Um, so, you know, if you see our cards, you know, two-thirds of our card. Well, for me, two-thirds of my cards are outrights. For Ian, his full card is outrights. Um, but, yeah, honestly, it's it's been a pretty good year. Some of our biggest weeks, Just I was kind of looking at my tracking sheet here. Actually, Atlanta 1 was probably one of our biggest weeks of the year. We had plus 39 units, the first iteration of Atlanta. Um, and then Darlington was another big week, plus 28 units. Uh, Bristol Dirt plus 42. So we've had some really, really big weeks. Um, obviously, there's the downside of that as well. There's When you bet so many outrights, you're going to have some big swings. But yeah, honestly, pretty good year so far. And I, I was going to comment on the fact that like when we get to talk about New Hampshire here in just a little bit, you know, you typically, like you said, you're hitting outrights or you're, you're focused on outrights. Um, and I just wanted to ask, you know, why that is like why you spend most of your time looking at that because i'll tell you this i actually really enjoy that because i tend to um look at a bunch of different bets like kind of all over the place and that can get a little dizzying from time to time so when i do you know see your card out there or, or you know talking with you via text and things like that when i just see like the straight up outright picks it is kind of refreshing just to be like okay like there's a guy uh, at, at a decent clip. Like, let me just kind of tail that um, blindly. So why is it? Is it because North Carolina is not legal and you don't have like a full slate of different ways to bet? It's mostly just offshore um, numbers or is there something else to the, the conversation there? Honestly, the easy answer to this is it's just really fun to hit the outright winner, right? Like when you're watching a race, you, you won or, or a golf tournament, like, you're rooting for the guy to win, right? So, like, when you hit that, there's no other, like, rush or thrill when you hit on the guy outright at that big number. Rather than, like, I don't know. For, for me, I think I can speak for me and Ian both when, like, it's like, oh, we hit a top 10 at plus 150. Cool. But, like, when you hit an outright at 10 to 1 and you're winning 30 units off it, like, you're legitimately doing 
you know, jumping up and down your living room screaming. Um, so I don't know. It's really just the, it's the thrills for us. It's it's on brand for our name, right? Flag hunting. Um, so yeah, honestly, Bovada is has been really kind to us as well. We we guess Bovada has a really good market, so it really doesn't even have to do anything about what's offered to us. It's really just the thrill of the game, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, great answer. I, I did not really expect that as an answer, but <laughs> I can't argue that. I mean, who the hell doesn't love hitting an outright pick? So, yeah, I mean, it is super on-brand flag hunting. That's what you guys are about. So I should have known. I, I should have known. <laughs> um, so any you, know, you mentioned Atlanta. Um, I, I wanted to get your take because – right before I, I brought you on, I got done recording kind of the intro to this podcast and uh, spoiler to you. And just to kind of recap, like I'm a fan now. Um, I wasn't really heading in. I was really on the fence kind of leading towards like, eh, not really uh, bought in on the whole super speedway thing. And um, as a fan, just like, you know, entertainment standpoint, I'm bought in. I thought it was kind of edge of your seat racing. And I was disappointed, even though I had Byron 16 to one. I was disappointed uh, when it was rained out because I wanted to see them keep going. So what's your take on Atlanta? Just kind of like soup to nuts, you know, the, the whole thing um, fan, not a fan from a, you know, viewer standpoint. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was probably one of the few that was, I was a fan from the get go um, just because I love super speed racing. Like I know that I'm, I'm kind of, in the betting world, that's kind of a rarity because uh, it's it's so unpredictable. But you can also hit some very wild outrights at, at Super Speedway t- uh, style racing. And I don't know for me, Super Super Speedway style racing kind of it's like you're always on the edge of your seat. You're always wondering like what's going to happen. Like it's a dream of mine to go actually be at a Super Speedway race on Daytona, Talladega, now in Atlanta. But now the fact that there is like so much handling, it's so much harder for these guys to hang on to these cars. And you have the super speedway factor on, added onto it. It's quickly becoming like one of my favorite tracks. And the fact that I'm only four hours away from it, like I want to get down there. Um, but I guess to as as to come in on the race though, I, I love the race. It was a lot of fun. The ending, I'm indifferent about, right? Because we saw such a good race, so none of us wanted it to end for because we wanted to see how it was going to play out. We didn't want it to end um, based on a fuel strategy or pitch strategy because of the of the rain, and I think that's why we're all mad that it did get called early. But we have to we have to look at the other side and think we also don't want a Daytona moment, a Daytona summer last year where they go into yeah. turn one and it's pouring down rain. So I, I feel very indifferent. And I've I still feel that way. Like even when it was like when it was going on, I understood. Like I understood what race control was doing with the pit laps. Like I know people were mad. Like oh, we just drove around for 13 minutes. No wonder it started raining. But you have to realize, like, if they open pit road, it, it was going to be even more madness than it already was. Yeah, pure chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess my long answer there is I'm, I feel very indifferent about the race, but the track itself, I'm in love with it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I I, I said the same thing. I, I got to figure out a way to get down there. Um, and I love the night racing element to it as well. Yeah. So I, I hope they keep doing that. Now, I want to backtrack to something you said, because I, up until this race wasn't fully bought in on the like full-on super speedway element to it coming in the spring race or coming out of the spring race um watching that race up at Derek's house uh with a buddy of his uh sitting there just kind of feeling like what am I watching here like it kind of felt like I was watching Texas like as far as like the lack of action that's how I left 
Um, so it was kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Like this is super speedway racing. Like, I don't think so. Um, so you were bought in from the get go that this was like super speedway style racing and there was no if and buts about it. I mean, I guess let me, let me back up a little bit. Like, obviously I was a little upset because Atlanta was a good track, but after seeing the first super speedway race, I, I believed in the idea of it. Just because even though it felt different than Daytona and Talladega, it still was an element of super speedway racing. Um, but I was also, I don't know, I also have a, I have a, I don't know if it's a bad habit, good habit of just like kind of trusting people, like trusting the process. And the fact that a lot of people within the industry were like, just wait, like this track is going to age, it's going to get harder. So I was, I was hopeful that we we're going to get to this point. Um, and hearing the fact that like, even I listened to Denny's podcast earlier today, the fact that he, even he was saying like, this is, it was fun. He was like, that was actually a lot of fun and it's going to get even more fun as the years go on. I was like, that's, that's, that's what you want to hear, right. As a fan that even the drivers like it. Big time. Yeah. I'm encouraged. And to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of upset that we have to wait, you know, all the way to March, uh, next year or whenever the, I guess the schedule needs to come out still, but, um, you, so, you right, well, drift. let's, let's talk about that for a second though, because, there's been a lot of this is our uh, track silly season, right? Or our schedule okay. silly season. But there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, I think it was Corla Joy's podcast today. He was saying, "Why don't we move the summer Atlanta race to be the cutoff race? Move Daytona, move Daytona back to July 4th, and then and then make the week after July 4th a rotating street race." Well. I wouldn't hate that at all. Actually, in my intro, um, I, I suggested I, I didn't go that far. I was saying I love the night race element to it. Uh, I love how Coke 600 Memorial Day night race, you know, long weekend for folks. Fourth of July weekend should be a night race because most yeah. people, you know, have that long weekend element to it uh, as far as their work week's concerned. Why not move the folds of honor 400, whatever the okay. hell they call it to 4th of July, and then you've got Darlington or whatever the hell, you know, Labor Day is. Um, so you have all three of those big weekends where people have off as night races and, and big um, races. But I could get behind that, too. I mean, so crossing my fingers that they're really uh, trying to wheel and deal here. And, and the rotating street course, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm bought in there as well. So um, I, I'm kind of along for the ride. I'm not going to complain much with the scheduling because things have kind of worked when they've made tweaks and yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep riding it. So Ben Kennedy, I think is the one you're out yeah. there. Give us, give us uh, something good. I don't know when they announced the schedule, but hopefully it's soon. Cause I, I'm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to look at flights uh, <laughs> quite a bit. I can tell you that I want to get some more races next year. So you mentioned silly season. Let's talk about it, Chris. Uh, so Chris and I had a, preseason silly season episode where we talked forever about all three series and um throughout the year now there's no such thing as silly season that's kind of the joke uh because it used to be from like the end of the season to daytona now it's it's all it's all year and there's been one big piece of news that dropped which was uh barry going to Stuart Haas racing, and he's going to be replacing Kevin Harvick in the coveted four car, which Harvick has made special. Um, so it's a big deal, a big time replacement for Harvick going to Josh Berry. And I'd like your thoughts on that call by Stuart Haas to, to tag Josh Berry for that one. I, I like it. 
I do. I, I it's funny because I think our offseason podcast we talked about Zane. I think to the four. I think it's pro- probably what we talked about. I assume. Um, but to to get an established guy like Josh Berry, a guy that I think he was like a two or three time late model champion with with Dale Jr. like Junior Motorsports. Um, obviously, we've seen him come to Xfinity and uh, without stride, just kind of, I mean, compete every single week. Um, he's shown a lot of maturity. And then this year he's stepped in for, for Bowman and Elliot and, um, you know, may have not had the best results, but the experience in the new car matters. And there's not a lot of drivers who can say that they have that experience. So to step into that iconic four car uh, is big shoes to step into. But I think a veteran like Josh Berry can handle that. Um, and the the team as a whole is interesting. I'm sure that's what you're going to touch on here in a minute. I think the team as a whole is going to be interesting. I think I joked with, Derek, uh, when I first heard this news of like, man, SHR is about to be like short track city, like short tracks are going to run through SHR. Um, but outside of that, I don't really know what they're going to excel at because Harvick has been carrying that team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, curious to know what you think, but I'm a fan of it. Yeah, um, I think we all kind of knew that Josh Barry was going to find a ride somewhere. Um, I mean, we've talked about the same quote uh, numerous times, which was Dale Jr., you know, year or two ago, and they he asked like if he had a, a charter uh, for the Cup Series, like who would he tag to be his his driver, cornerstone driver, and he surprised everyone at the time by saying Josh Berry, mm-hmm. and that turned a lot of heads. And I think from that moment, he was an anointed one. He was kind of the a made man um, because people who had Cup Series charters started looking at him where maybe they weren't before. Uh, so. Junior Motorsports just continues to be a, a farm system for the Cup Series pipeline. and, yeah, a pipeline. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's shocking that Josh Berry has a Cup ride. Little surprised that it's the four car, um, but I, I think, you know, they did their due diligence. They, they went out and they found, like you said, the most established type of guy they could have because they need that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. It, it feels like kind of a trend now. This is two years in a row. We had Gibbs getting some rides last year, filling in for some folks. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because more people are getting injured or the concussion protocol and, you know, all that. But Gibbs filling in before his rookie season. Yeah. Uh, and now we have the same thing with Barry. So it kind of makes silly season a little bit easier. Like who's getting tapped for these uh, concussion spots or these injury fill-ins? Because it's <laughs> those guys are probably going to be riding in the Cup Series pretty soon, so um, yeah, interesting there. Now you mentioned Stuart Haas. I mean, I I don't know how Josh Berry feels like if he realizes that he likely is going to be tagged to be like kind of a leader uh, right off the bat. I mean, because Ryan Priest, you know, driving the forty one car, he has not really been impressive. Um, we don't know what's going on with Almarola. You know, he was supposed to retire and, you know, they brought him back again. So there's that part of it. Um, and, and who am I missing? Briscoe. The, Briscoe. Who, oh Which, my God. I think, isn't that fucking crazy? I can't even think yeah. of Briscoe's name. That's how bad he's been. Um, yeah. Wild. I, I, I feel so like, like I'm actually a Briscoe guy. Like I like Briscoe, and me too. And 
coming into this year, I really thought, I think, well, I think a lot of us, honestly, especially like between me and Derek, like I think a lot of us were really high on Briscoe coming into the year. And we thought like they were going to tab him as being like, try to kind of move that crown from Harvick to him to be the guy. And it's turned out to be quite the opposite. Uh, and I don't know what to think anymore about Briscoe. Uh, I, I think that, like, I don't think it's a talent thing. I really do think the like SHR as a whole, the car is just outside the four car. They haven't been there. Like we know that Priest, Briscoe, and I guess Almirola at certain tracks are better than what they're showing. Like at the end of the day, it's they need some changes within. I think personally, I don't think it's I don't think it's a lack of driver talent. I, I would agree with that. I, I think what you're seeing out of Harvick this year, the fact that he's able to perform at this level is kind of like the best performance ever for him because he's got the same equipment as other guys and he's still able to do like more than treading water. Like he, he's a, he's still a factor, um, especially for gamblers. Like if you're taking him in the right spots, we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to call him out pretty much right away. Um, (laughs) So I mean that in itself, like for what he's doing, making the most out of this equipment, is crazy talented. Um, yeah. So now you take him out of that and it, it makes you wonder, right? I mean, so we, we start looking at silly season of the future. Like we talked offline about Stewart maybe faltering on this team. Like his, his press conference with Barry wasn't necessarily a, a Stewart, a Tony Stewart, like shining moment. Yeah. Uh, and there's been some like weird things that you can kind of sense from some of the reporters that maybe he's looking to get out. Um, so that would definitely flip the script for that team. Give them, I, I would assume, you, you know, that would be the, the equivalent of a stick and ball sport team just kind of doing a rebuild. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you see anything like that going down? Anything like that drastic? I mean, I, it's hard to say, right? But, like, I think the quote that is the most interesting from the Josh Berry announcement was when Jordan Bianchi asked Tony, like, almost trying to, like, like he was trying to hint at something. Jordan was like, do you foresee uh, SHR sticking with the Ford con- – or sticking out the Ford con- – I think that's how he phrased like, sticking out for the remainder of the Ford contract or something like that. And Tony's answer was not what people expected. He was basically just like – well, that's what the contract says, doesn't it? Or something like that. Just something smart. Yeah, but like, but like also, that. yeah, but like not also like, like he didn't say anything praising about Ford either. Um, and there's also, there's all the, you know, the hints about him getting more invested in the drag racing world and because of his wife, right? I think his wife is in the drag racing and, um, you know, he's got the whole SRX SRX thing going. Like, yeah. So like he's got his hands in so many different things that, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about the the inside of that team. Now, I will say one th- point I did forget to bring up about Barry, um, and it goes back to – it kind of ties these two together. The one thing I loved most about Tony Stewart's press conference was he mentioned, I'm not a fan of hiring the daddy's boy with money. I want a driver. And I think he has now shown that twice with his last two hirings of Priest and Barry. And I personally, I love that. I, I am a <laughs> and huge fan of that. The curb too. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I mean, you could draw so many like different assumptions from this, right? Because it's like he's putting 
he's putting guys in the seat that he wants to be in the seat outside of money, but at the same time, like, you know, he's not really giving uh, the most utmost confidence that he's going to be sticking around. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that would change things. Now, the, the other element to it is like Amarola. I mean, what his future holds, it, it's uh, fun, you know, for guys like us to kind of speculate 10 car next year. Um, I mean, we threw Zane's name out there at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would do that if I were them because of how young or, or inexperienced they are. Uh, I don't think they need another, you know, babysitting job um, for the 10 car. I would love it as a Zane fan, but um, we had, you know, thoughts about some of these guys who have been stepping up in kind of lower level equipment and, and who could be taking a, a step up uh, in equipment to join the 10 car, you know, we've been trashing Stuart Haas's equipment, but I still think the 10 car is better than um, some of these other rides out there. And we've seen some drivers this season outperform, the, you know, most of the Stuart Haas guys in lower level equipment in air quote. So um, you have any thoughts on a 10 car, if it's coming from the cup series? Yeah. I think if it's, if it's not Zane, right. I think we all, we all want Zane to be the guy because I mean, I know personally just from offline conversations with you, that's, Zane Smith to the Smithfield car is like God a dream. It. It, it makes the most sense to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about a guy. This actually shocked me today. I was listening to the teardown with Bianchi and Gluck and they were talking about a guy that has currently pointing his way in points. Uh, and I didn't realize he was, but Michael McDowell is literally he's in right now. If, if the season would end today, he's in. And that's crazy to me because it feels like it almost feels like he was a little bit better last year but he's been more consistent this year. Um, you know, we see it at super speedways at road courses. Um, and then even, I feel like he even had a, like an intermediate recently where he was like a top 10 guy, or maybe it was a short track. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, if, if Michael McDowell, I think at his point in his career, um, that's a, that's a step I'd be willing to take if I was him. I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, you might as well, right? Like what are you going to achieve at front row at this point? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And if I'm, let's pretend that I'm someone in charge at Stuart Haas. You got Tony kind of on his way out, um, theoretically, in, in this situation. Yeah. Um, and you need to fill the seat with someone who is more experienced than, you know, uh, an Xfinity driver or a truck series driver, like we mentioned. He stands out, man. I, I mean, he is getting really good results from equipment and i find myself like so i want to go actually just a, another minute rant than i had anticipated but like i remember when casey kane took his ride in the 95 at levine family racing and i remember thinking like oh it's all she wrote what a shame right like poor poor michael mcdowell like he's just been chugging along and and there goes casey kane you know taking his job he's the bigger name and then you know what a shame for mcdowell um, and yet he finds his way, lands at front row, is the super speedway guy for a little while. Yeah. Wins the Daytona 500. He was the super speedway guy before he won that before 500. That. I mean, 100%. some of us were on him to win that 500, um, for a good reason, the Daytona guy, but he seems like he's just like expanded his resume, like started really good at Daytona. Then he was like, okay, I'm good at all the super speedways, all four races you can count me in. Then it was like, 
wait a second, Michael McDowell is like a pretty good road course racer. And holy shit, NASCAR's got six road courses on the schedule. Uh, So count him in on those. And yeah, now he's starting to chip at the, you know, mile and a half. I think it was like Nashville, the the other, you might've been referring to where he had a a good finish. I think it might've been Nashville. So Um, I'm trying to look that up. It looks like Gateway, he finished ninth. Oh, Gateway. Okay. Um, Gateway. I think there's another one too, and I'm still trying to vet that. <laughs> the fact is, he's building a resume. Yeah. And he's not going off into the sunset and just saying, like, okay, thank you for my time. Like, if you're Stuart Haas and you're looking to fill that 10 car, McDowell's a decent, I don't know what his contract situation is, but I can't imagine he's like fully locked in for a long term contract. That'd be dumb on his part. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would give him a look for sure. I, I I would like to see it. I would really like to see him get a shot in a little bit better equipment. So it's a good call out. I'm trying to see if uh, I was looking at. So if anyone doesn't know, Jayski typically is the place where you could find contract information, but they don't have anything listed for him. Um. So I. Oh, actually, they do. It's just it's twenty twenty three. So I think he's in a contract year. Actually. Man. So, I mean, the, the stars would align there and then you give him maybe like a two year deal. Just let him kind of prove it, see what he's got. And, you know, he seems like he's an older driver. Maybe he just looks older than he is. But, um, you know, I can't imagine you would sign him to a long term deal, but see what he's got in that first year. You know, second year, maybe resign him another time. But um, I, I would take a shot for yeah, sure. I agree with that. Well, any other silly season thoughts? I know we're planning on kind of like regrouping and having a, you know, silly season episode uh, at some point before the year is over. But any other thoughts for the the series before we move on? I got a, I got a, like a bold one. I want to, I want to throw at you. Um, But, um, and I think, I think you're going to be a really big fan of it. Um, So, yeah, so obviously we know now that Trackhouse has brought Bush Beer into the fold. Um, we, well, I guess I can take this two different directions, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go like the super bold one. I'm going to keep it a little reined in. Um, but I think Trackhouse bringing in a big sponsor like that. We already know that they've had a lot of success. Uh, Ross's prime to fame is shooting through the roof. He's getting a lot of fans. You've got to assume that's a lot of marketing dollars coming in. A lot of sponsorship dollars coming in. Um, so I think Trackhouse could go to a three-team car or three three-car team, but they do that by merging with Nice. And Nice Motorsports has all along wanted to bring Hosevar to the Cup Series. They have said that. They've said that they want Hosevar to be their guy. So Trackhouse Nice Motorsports with Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez and Carson Hosevar, we know that they have that kind of alliance already because you see Ross go down and, and run that truck all the time for them. Um, so that's my bold one. That's my that's my theory. That is a fantastic theory. There's no tin hat involved in that one. I mean, th- that's like following the money. That's following the dots. Um, I really like that idea, and I'd be shocked if if – you know, you were able to just have like godlike powers and, and know every conversation that ever happened in the world. I'd be shocked if that conversation did not have uh, happen already. 
I imagine that they've kicked around, you know, there's been some beers had somewhere along the line with the, you know, people that would make those calls. And uh, I'd have to imagine that it's got legs. So that would be a, a great call out. Um, and it would be interesting to see because they'd be skipping right over Xfinity um, where names are made. <laughs> so uh, it, it would really, you know, pave the road for, for guys in trucks to go make the big jump um, and, and see if he could do it. So love it. I, I think it makes sense. It's a shot in the dark, but it's got some uh, staying power. So I, I'm into it. I would love to see that play out. Do you think Kosovar is ready, though? No, I guess I don't think I don't think yeah, he's ready. I kind of agree um, with that too, but yeah, no, I mean I'm a fan of Hosovar. Um, took him on your your legacy draft pod, and um, I don't think he's ready for Cup. Uh, but you know, money talks, and if yeah. they're going to have a three car team next year, I don't know who else they're putting in that ride to keep it warm for him if it's not him. So. Uh, yeah, but I do, though, want to see more out of Josevar this year. You know, this season, he needs to make a run in the yeah. playoffs. And if Agreed. he doesn't make a run, then he's years away from Cup. I will say, though, right, you mentioned earlier about sometimes we can see the writing on the wall with backup drivers. And Josevar did fill in for LaJoy when LaJoy filled in for Chase in the nine car. Or, sorry, LaJoy was in the nine, Josevar was in the seven. So and he outran LaJoy until he wrecked. Uh I mean he was running like top like 16 or something like that. I think he was running like 16th when he wrecked, hit the wall and that was it. But he was outrunning LaJoy by a lot in yeah. the and he was in the nine car. Yeah. So yeah, I mean one race and he didn't even get the finish. Uh and, and that kind of sums up host of our career, which is performs really well, can't get the finishes. Um, so yeah. And it's not exactly a real reason to say, like, sign him up. But uh, he was running well. You can't take that away from him. I will say the fastest host of ours been in the truck series this year was probably Charlotte. And I was at that truck race. And the fact that he didn't win that race was nonsense because he was on rails. It was unbelievable. Like, Ben Rhodes had no business winning that race. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well... We'll see. I mean, I, I think you can get Josevar at like eight or nine to one right now to win the championship in the trucks. I mean, that's that's a pretty good number when you're looking at who's competing. Um, Zane is bringing the number uh, way down and, and making it, you know, more possible to bet on some of these other guys. So, uh, yeah, Josevar, we got to see him make a run in order to start talking about him for silly season in the cup. That's for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Um, cool. Well, and, and since we're talking about trucks, I'll just say this. To wrap things up, we we spoke at length in the trucks segment in our silly season about Thor Sport and Haley Deegan, and she is garbage. Um, Like they need to be thinking of an exit plan now. Like any anyone from Thor Sport, please. What's going on? Like she cares more about her YouTube channel than she does like figuring out practice and qualifying. It's, it's absolutely crazy. She's on the world. I just actually had a YouTube video pop up yesterday. It said like she's on the worst run of her entire cup series or truck series career. And she's in the best equipment uh, that she's been in. So 
that's just crazy. And we said, like, we got to have checkpoints with somebody like her. Um, how is she going to be doing halfway through the year? We're halfway through the year. I mean, they're two races away from playoffs. She's garbage. So, yeah. not good. Um, and, and I'll just leave it at that. No, agreed. Uh, I agree. I feel like I've been the one trying to, like, stay on the bandwagon, but I am. I don't think I'm on the bandwagon anymore. Like, it's 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 been rough. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, I think it's got to be lack of talent at this point. But yeah, um, I don't want to anger too many people <laughs> out there more than I already have. All right, so <laughs> let's go to uh, a conversation quickly here. We are getting to New Hampshire, and we will start giving out some picks here. But we got to touch quickly on the ToolHangers.com one and done pool. ToolHangers with a Z. Dot com. They have sponsored our one and done pool that we tried to get together with a bunch of other uh, folks out there who do um, podcasts around gambling on NASCAR. And uh, since I have Chris on, you know, we're both in this league. We were kind of uh, the ones who got it started and we are both <laughs> not doing well. And I'm telling you right now, it, for me, it is not because of lack of trying. I really do try to put my best foot forward and i have just been i'm gonna say unlucky here i take my my big name guys larson blaney hamlin byron anytime i've taken one of the big dogs that i've like saved up they do terrible 30th so i am in what is essentially dead last Derek yoder's in dead last that's because he forgot to put his picks in twice so if you take him out of it i'm in dead last uh five points back from speedway steve uh, Phil from Speedway Steve too, um, and Skybox and Seth from In Between Media. They're they're within uh, striking distance from me. You're just a little bit one more tier up uh, at this point, um, and you don't have a victory yet this year. So, what's been just quickly? I mean, we don't have to be on this topic for too long, but like, what's been your strategy, and and why isn't it working? Because I, I'm <laughs> my hands are up too. Yeah. So you know, and, and I'm glad we did this this year like with you know like the podcast guys because i do think we want to open this up to more people next year i know that a lot of listeners and people have reached out and say hey we want to join this next year uh but it's definitely been a learning experience um i think i think for me and, and i know we, we texted about this earlier in the season i think me and, and a lot of us a lot of us actually i think we got a little too cute to start the season like we were trying to pick drivers like way down the board and we didn't need to and then at the point that I realized it, so I, I think I even texted you, I sat down and I mapped out every race and I put the driver that I thought fit those tracks best and I mapped it out and I still had like two or three guys left over and I was like, man, I probably should have used these guys and now I can't because I picked freaking Jordan Taylor at Coda. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's lesson learned number one is you don't have to be so cute because we have like, it's 20 six races and then it resets so like there's plenty of guys within 26 drivers that are worthy of talent than to get too cute the second thing is just it's just luck honestly like i don't really know that i could have done anything better like similar to what you said like i had byron at um the noco 400 is that martinsville yeah martinsville uh i got 15 points from him i had larson at dover who got taken out by, he got chastained and I got five points from him. I had Denny at the Coca-Cola yep. 600. I got seven points from him. Like I've just gotten like, when I've used my studs, they've done nothing. So yeah. it And to be honest, like 
it's a shame that like we're already looking ahead to next year, but like I can't wait to do this again next year. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to like be kind of like towards the top of this board with some of these guys. I, I, it'd be so fun to be going into the playoffs like within striking distance. I am 200 points back from Ian, who has now taken over the, the lead in the pool. Right behind him is Ryan Stevens and then uh, Steve from Speedway Steve, too. Uh, so he, he's in third place there. Um, so the top three, I mean, they are definitely, you know, fighting for the championship there. Um, so it'd be fun. Now we do get the stuff reset for the playoffs and we get to take two drivers each. So there's a chance, you know, that we could make it up a little bit, but we do need the, uh, the guys up top to falter quite a bit. Um, but it, it has been really fun. So we will definitely open this up, uh, next year to really anybody who wants to join. It was nice to kind of experiment, um, you know, with the money situation, we kind of still need to work that out. Um, but we do need to give a shout out to, to Jordan from tool hangers yeah. for putting his name on the, the um, pool itself and, you know, toolhangers.com. They specialize in custom tool hangers from storing, organizing, displaying on peg board, tool walls from circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, anything that you got, you're trying to organize your shed or anything. Chris, I know you're looking at getting a new yeah. shed. We, just talked um, about that. we might be looking at some tool hanger <laughs> orders in your future here. So, uh, yeah, give tool hangers a look because uh, great guy and fellow gambler on NASCAR. So, um, yeah, really good stuff. And we'll hope to continue this next year when Chris and I actually have a fighting chance. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the season ends, though, halfway through the year. I do want to comment um, one more thing on that before we close that topic yeah. real quick. Uh, if you're listening to this show and you are wondering, like, how you can be involved like this year, since you're not in the pool, I do post a poll every week, typically on Saturday night or Sunday morning where you can actually vote. And there is like a listener entry. Um, the votes have been lacking the last few weeks. So we need some help. Uh, even though the listeners are still very much in the hunt, you guys are only 120 points back of the lead. So um, <laughs> you guys can very much vote on, on who you, yeah, I will say the listeners have used a lot of their big dogs. So it's going to get real interesting coming down the, down the wire here. Um, but just want to throw that out there. I do put a poll out there um, at flag underscore hunting every Sunday morning. So you can vote on who you would pick for your one and done selection. And and I'm actually going to say this. I'm not trying to win this thing. Cause I don't think that's possible, but I am trying to beat the listeners. I'm a hundred <laughs> points back from the listeners. That's my goal uh, to try to beat the listeners for the rest of the season. So if you're out there and you're listening, you want to, you know, play against us here. Um, make sure you're following uh Chris on the flag hunting Twitter. And, and I always try to retweet that when I see that as well. Um, so yeah, good call out there, Chris. And I, I'm coming for the listeners. That's for sure. So, um, <laughs> all right. So let's get to some New Hampshire talk here and I'm going to give the, the breakdown here that I normally do um, when I'm recording the pod by myself about New Hampshire. So I want to talk about the track, calling it out here by itself and then we'll get into some of the data that chris is looking at that i'm looking at and we'll get into some picks so um this is a racetrack that i'm going to tell you right now i i used to hate this racetrack um super flat track it's just over a mile long and they call it the magic mile i growing up was just like no that's a terrible nickname i think that's dumb uh because i just hated it but you know really bad one degree on the the straightaways as far as uh banking is concerned two to seven degrees on the turns um so that's extremely flat the track stats 
51 races in the Cup Series at this track, and the winner has started from the pole six times in the history of the track. Kyle Busch was the last one to do it in 2017. The winner starting in the top five, it's happened about 23% of the time, and top 10, 54% of the time. So if you're someone who's keeping score at home, that's a little bit lower for those uh, numbers than we usually see for those stats starting outside the top 10 in 51 races it's happened 10 times so uh chris bell started from the fifth position last year for anyone who's looking to know that manufacturer trends ford was on a streak they were on like a four race win streak uh until that was snapped by toyota in 2022 and going back uh you know 10 races or so it's really been ford on a streak toyota on a streak really trading blows there um now here's a a little trivia question here for you, Chris. So there is not an active Chevy driver who has won here in a Chevy. There are two drivers active in the field who have won in a Chevy at New Hampshire. Okay. Can you tell me one of those two? Two drivers active in the field who have won in a Chevy. Is it? I mean, my first guess would be Kevin Harvick. Is it not Kevin so Harvick? That's one. That's okay. one. That's kind of okay. the easy one. All right. That, that that happened a few years ago when Stuart Haas was was riding around in in Chevy. Yeah. But who's the other one? And I'll even give you the the year. Okay. Two thousand seven. Okay. Ooh, okay, we're going back. Uh. I don't even know if I have a, a guess here. Who was even in a Chevy in two thousand seven? It wasn't Brad, was it? Brad wasn't in a Chevy? No. 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 The 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 answer is Denny Hamlin. Dang. JGR was in Chevy. And uh, I didn't even like remember that. Yeah. Um, so Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are the only active drivers who have won in a Chevy. There are some other guys out there, uh, Clint Boyer. Tony Stewart, Casey Kane, that have won in Chevys, but they're Jimmy Johnson, obviously, but they're not driving. And so that's how long it's been since Chevy has won. Uh, just a complete goose egg for them. And the fact that we only come here once a year definitely plays a factor in that now. So, um, yeah, rough go for Chevy recently here. So um, those are really the, the track stats here that we're talking about. Now, I'm going to give you my data set, Chris, and – you know, you pick because I know that you have your own model that you put together. You're a numbers guy. I love the shit out of that. I wish I could do something like that. Um, my stuff, it's really just kind of like handwritten notes and, and working off of that. But the stuff that I'm looking at, kind of three different things. First and foremost, I really think that New Hampshire is a, a super important race to um, focus on the history of the track. Uh, we had a conversation about this actually tonight on the NASCAR betting preview show. And, um, you know, there was some debate around that, but I'm on the side of New Hampshire means a lot. So I'm looking at the last five races at New Hampshire. That brings us back to 2018. It's a pretty good stretch because you got some guys who don't have um, as many races in that five race stretch. So um, it's pretty long back, but, you know, we really want to focus on New Hampshire, in my opinion. Um, outside of that, I'm looking at the last seven races on quote-unquote short flat track so that is uh phoenix that's richmond that's new hampshire and we're throwing gateway into that as well um so it's basically every short flat 
since 2022 started, except for Phoenix one. Uh, my, my data system doesn't allow me to click into that one. Um, so seven races on short flat tracks. And then this year, 2023, what do guys got going on this year in short flat tracks? If you're going to go off of that heavily, that means you really have to believe in that these are like truly comp tracks. Again, some de- debate around that as well, but that's Gateway, Phoenix, and Richmond so far this year. So if you combine all of that together, I feel like you get a really nice um, look at who kind of rises to the top of the board and um, ways to bet on people. So that's what I'm looking at. But Chris, what are you looking at? Anything similar, anything different? What are your feelings here? Yeah, mine's um, pretty similar. Um, so I'm looking at the same data set of tracks. Um, I did exclude Phoenix 2 of last year just because I feel like the championship race is just a little different. Um, so I excluded that. Um, I also put a little more emphasis on Richmond as the as the three comp tracks. So I tried to weigh Richmond just a little bit more. The reason for that, and um, I want to say it was on Lay and Coin that I heard this, uh, but Greg Mathern, they had Greg Mathern on their show. And... Oh, no, I'm sorry. They had Ryan Stevens on their show. And Ryan Stevens brought up that Greg Mathern writes an article for them. I think it's called like the Front Runners uh, yeah. article. And um, Ryan brought up how Greg comes up with his comp tracks. And I loved what he explained. He bases his comp tracks off of just simply track speed. It's like, what is the average speed and the top speed that, that you hit on a track? And what tracks compare to that? And I love that. I've actually been using that every single week since I've heard that. I'm like, I want to go back and look to see, like, obviously the first place we all go is I Fancy Race. We go see what his contracts, what he says the contracts are. But then I try to dig a little deeper on like, all right, well, out of those contracts, which one really relates the best? And it was Richmond. The, the speeds are almost identical. It's like an it's like an average running speed of 98 miles an hour and then a top speed of like 117 to 125, whereas Gateway and Phoenix are much quicker. Um, so... Richmond is definitely a more heavy emphasis um, in my model. And then I obviously do bring in, um, I've been starting to bring a little bit more emphasis, sorry, less emphasis on historical data, more emphasis on like 2023 data. So uh, I was just trying to do the math real quick, but I think it comes out to be like, I think it's like 45% of my model is just 2023 data. Um, a good bit of it is obviously just New Hampshire data. And then a good bit of it is the, like the comp track data. So it's almost like a, it's almost an even split three ways, but like I said, the more heavy emphasis is on 2023 comp tracks with an emphasis on Richmond. Okay. Well, that's a good, uh, I, I like how you're on that stance. And, and I think the conversations we're going to have around drivers, we'll, we'll kind of see um, how each other lands. And if we are, you know, in agreement on things or for like vetoing guys. Um, so we'll see here. So good stuff. Uh, and that that's good information. Um, I'm hoping to have Greg on at some point um, in the near future, reached out to him trying to see if we can find a spot this summer to, to talk because um, I've, I've loved, you know, everything with win the race. I'm a big fan. Uh, and since they've added uh, his content there, it's been, been really good stuff. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear that. So we got the odds and um, after some of the books took, you know, three days to update uh, their app because there's no sports going on right now. Um, we finally got to, to see the odds drop and 
you know, no surprise. Christopher Bell's uh, a heavy, heavy favorite. He's like plus five fifty on, you know, most books. Um, so that's where the the line starts with the favorites. I want to just kind of go back and forth here, Chris, and uh, work off of you know certain drivers and try to figure out how we can make some money. So, would you like to go first, or would you like me to kick things off? I think we have the same guy, so I'll let you go, and I will reiterate everything you say. So, <laughs> all right, great. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just, just <laughs> yes me to death. I love that. Um, so, this is a guy that I brought up on the, the NASCAR betting preview show, and one of the bets here because you know on that show we had different segments, head to heads, and finishing positions, outrights, and then a, a best bet. And uh, I brought him up in one of those segments. We'll we'll talk about it, but. What we want to do here, and by the way, what we're going to do is as we go back and forth and we talk about certain drivers, we want to land on you know the bets we want to add officially to the card. So I've got this uh, spreadsheet here. I'll make sure we, we add it in there, and we'll keep popping this up as we go here if you're watching this on YouTube um, to, to keep track of everything, and we can kind of send that out um, this weekend when we get there. So that's what we're, we're aiming for here, and we're going to start with Kevin Harvick. Um, Harvick, to me, and that is who you were talking about, right, yep. Chris? Okay. Yep. Harvick, to me, is just someone that is a must-play this weekend. He's 9-1 to one to win the race, and I took that immediately. Like, just whether whether or not we add this to the card, like, personally, I, I needed to take that because I was like, that's got to go down, right? But it's still there. Um, and – all the stats that I had mentioned, all the different ways to look at this race, whatever way you chop it up, Kevin Harvick is staring you in the face. Um, so at this racetrack, historically, four wins for Kevin Harvick. He's got a over 50% hit rate for a top 10 finish at New Hampshire just in a million starts. So that's awesome. But his success has really come uh, towards the second half of his career. He's got eight top five finishes in his last 12 races at New Hampshire. I mean, that is just sick. That's like Phoenix Kevin Harvick numbers right there. And um, it kind of plays into it, right? Because it just seems to do well, this style of racetrack. Zeroing in on the last two, excuse me, in the last five races at New Hampshire, he's got two victories, four top fives. That's the most in NASCAR in that stretch. Five top tens, five for five in the last five years. His worst finish position in those five stars in New Hampshire was sixth. So my point on the show earlier tonight was, you know, he's going to put you in position to win a bet this weekend, if, no matter how you're taking him. Um, if you want to stretch it out to the last seven short flats, he's got a win in five top fives. Again, the most in that seven race stretch out of anyone in six top tens. His average finish is fifth, 9.1. Driver rating is third. So, you know, I love when people have better driver ratings than their average finish. Uh, it shows you that he's, you know, really consistent and, and he can get it done. Um, so just good stuff. And then if you want to just look at this year, he's got two top fives out of three starts on the short flats. So really good numbers for Kevin Harvick. He's there. He's towards the top of the list. And the other point that I made earlier was um, his average finish at New Hampshire in the last five is 3.6. That's incredible. But his average starting position is 11.4. And that's not good compared to the rest of the field. Like he, he's like 12th or like, you know, top 15. Um, so that tells me you don't need him to go out and qualify well, right? Some of these bets that we talk about earlier in the week, we're saying, ah, I need that guy, the Chris Busher at road course. Like I need him to go out and qualify. Well, that gives me a chance. Um, I don't need him to qualify. Well, 
he can qualify 13th and I could still see him being um, up there and fighting for it because he's got that skill level. So nine to one to win the race. The one that I really like the most is top five. He's plus 140 on barstool for a top five. He's just a top five machine at this racetrack. So that's one there. And then if you want to get frisky with some head to heads, he's going up against Larson on uh, DraftKings, I believe. And then Caesars, he's going up against Elliott. Um, I don't know if head to heads and I know that outrights are more your thing, uh, but either one of those guys, you know, I feel like that's a little bit more risky to take him in a head to head against those guys for a number of different reasons. But top five is my nomination here to the board uh, for our card. So I spoke enough. I know that you wanted to talk about Harvick. Um, so anything, you know, more to add there and, and where are you leaning with how to make money on? Them? Yeah, I think um, I haven't officially made the click, but I think Harvick outright is going to be one of our outrights this week uh, for the FHP card. Uh, Phil, just saying, if you have any money in your Bovada account, you can get them at 10 to one right now on Bovada. I do have money in my Bovada account. Thanks to you, by the way, for helping <laughs> me sign up for that when I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach um, yeah, for a good time there. But uh, yeah, 10 to one. Uh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, just to reiterate basically everything you just said, but kind of looking at my data set here, everything across my screen right now is highlighted green because I have a conditional format. Whenever one, when someone has like a top 10 stat in that column, it's highlighted green. Everything is green except for the last six races. I do two columns based on like the drive rate and average finish over the last six races. That's kind of, I call it my momentum factor basically. But when you look at what the last six races are, yeah, the last six races were two road courses, a super speedway, an intermediate. I think one short track, I think. So it's been a shit not, show this part yeah, of the season. Yeah. So it's not, that doesn't fall into Harvick's forte. So I'm not even weighing that. I mean, like sometimes you got to look at the data and think like, okay, why is that bad? And that's, it's, that's bad. That's not going to relate to this week. So I'm not even considering that as like a, a, a point against him. Um, but if you look at like the average finish at the contracts we're talking about, right. Second this year in the season, um, average finish at just New Hampshire in general, second drive rating, second, um uh what am i looking at here total speed um at the similar tracks second similar track total speed on the season second i mean like everything like it's just everything is speaking towards like second third like nothing rates outside the top five other than his the momentum factor or whatever but like i said i don't quantify that for the tracks that we're looking at um i love that you brought the qualifying point because you looked at it a different direction than I did. I typically look at qualifying, especially for like a Harvick or a Chastain or guys like that. I'm always like, okay, well, do I want to bite now or do I want to wait mm. and potentially get a better price, right? Um, so that's kind of the stance that I'm stuck on why I haven't clicked it yet because it's like I almost could wait and potentially get a 12 to 1, 11 to 1, you know? Um, but he is qualifying a little bit better this year on these comp tracks than he was last year. So if you look at the full 20, like next gen era, it's going to look worse than it is. Um, whereas this year he's ranked seventh in qualifying at the comp tracks of all drivers. So it's like right on the cusp of like, I think, I think you're right. I think top five is probably the play here just because I think we can get a better number come Sunday, potentially. All right, Chris. So what do you say to this? Let's, I like your mentality there of, of potentially getting better. So let's play this out. First of all, let's I'll organize this a little bit better after the, the show is early over, but um, Evan Harvick top five plus plus one forty, which is out there on Barstool right now, as we're recording, this is a play. 
Um, so that's definitely locked in. We're going to lock that in for us right now. But as far as the outright goes, right, because let's say let's play those two different scenarios out. And I know we're running long here, so we can always I'm always long winded uh, when I have you on. But um, if he does qualify poorly and we can't get him better, I'm still taking that. I like that. I like him at a longer number there. Um, so at that point, let's reserve our right to take him outright um, till after, because if he if he qualifies, you know, 12th and his odds go to like 11 to one, I still want that because of yeah. the facts that we laid out. If he goes out and he qualifies, great. I want him even more. So if he's 7-1, to great. Even more reason to take him 7-1. to um, And so let's let's reserve our right to throw an outright onto the card here uh, after qualifying for, for Harvick. So uh, I may just put, you know, Harvick outright, uh, you know, blank check, question mark. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that and we'll see where it is. Um, when we, we send that out there on Sunday. So, uh, would you, would you veto that or are you into that mindset? No, I'm in honestly. All right. Good stuff. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we're in it. And I'm, you know, we spoke a lot about Stuart Haas a little bit ago and, you know, I'm, I'm really rooting for them to have some sort of success and it's gotta be with Harvick. So, uh, let's, you know, oops. Uh, what did I say? Plus one forty. So Chris, where are you taking me next? Uh, I'll, I'll give the floor to you and you can kind of take us, you know, whether it's a outright or, you know, just a driver in general to be looking at. Yeah, I think I want to talk about, so the top three in my model are all JGR guys. So I feel like we need a JGR guy. Um, so I want to talk about Martin Truex actually. Um, he's actually number one in my model and uh, one thing I wanted to bring up actually before we even started talking about all, all this was the reason why I haven't made an outright click yet is because so typically what I do with my model, I put it all together. It takes me probably two, three hours to get all this data pushed into where I need it to push. I see where it kind of shakes out and then I match it up against what the odds boards currently have to see what is, how does my model differ from the odds board. And I try to see if there's any value plays, right? The guys that I think early in the week are worth taking because I think that their value is going to be shorter come Sunday. I, I think the odds board's got it right. Like my, I'm yeah. showing like barely any value on anybody. Like, and, but the only guy that I do have a plus two factor on is Martin Truex. Um, so it's a very small value, but I feel like for being number one in my model and still being uh, having a little value here, I think he's worth talking about. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you just look at just New Hampshire over the last two years, uh, fourth and average finish, third and drive rating over the last three years, fourth and average finish. Uh, and then you look at total speed, fourth and total speed, um, over the next gen era at these tracks, eighth and total speed just this year. And then I also look at, um, loop data stats. So I like to bring in, uh, certain aspects of loop data. So typically it's fastest lap. Um, average running position and pass differential. And I kind of weigh those differently on how I think uh, that'll factor into this week. So for New Hampshire over the last two seasons, so in, in, well, actually one year next gen, one year, not next gen. So over the last two seasons, Martin Trix is second in New Hampshire. Um, so they're in that loop data category. Um, you could also play the home team effect here. This is kind of like his home track. So what? yeah, I think there's a lot of, Wait, you've never no, heard that one not. before? Yeah, oh, oh, you're saying you're saying like every track is his home track? 
No, New Hampshire. Isn't New Hampshire? Is that what they Dover, call the home man. track? Dover. He lives near me. He's from South Jersey. Oh, you're right. I think it is Dover. But but the joke is that every track is his home track. Like they always say, like this is his home track for whatever reason. If it's so, in the yeah, northeast, we, we could yeah. if it's in the northeast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pocono. Yeah, the, the whole the whole lot of. Them. Okay, so, that's yeah, on let's, that's let's on me. It. I got that wrong, but yeah, we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, so, anyways, I yeah, I, I think Martin Truex is a guy that I want in some facet. I know he's a favorite, uh, but how do you how do you feel about this one? So, I coming in before the odds, you know, really came out. I was like, yeah, I, I think I kind of want something on Truex. When the odds came out and he, you know, what? so what are you seeing him at for your, for an outright? That's what you're talking about, right? To win the race. Yeah, I've got him at 7. Is it 650? What was it? 7. I, okay, so 7. Um, is that on Bavada or is that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I saw, I saw top, or excuse me, uh, he was like second on the board. He was 650 behind Bell. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know if I want to take him like at that number. I was kind of expecting him to be like a little bit lower. Um, I mean, his numbers, you know, like you mentioned, he was like fourth in, in average finish, fourth in driver in the last couple of years at uh, New Hampshire. If you extend mm-hmm. it back to top the last five races, he's actually second in, in average finish and, and third in driver rating. So um, historically at this racetrack, yeah, he's been damn good. I didn't know if I had enough uh, to go with an outright, but I can be convinced. I kind of said that was like, I'm, I'm going to go into the, the Twitter spaces show and I'm going to have Chris on. Like if anybody can make a case for Truex um, and seven to one at Pavada, uh, I could get down with, with that. So I'll, I'll throw that in there. Now the, I'll, I'll tell you this, the bet that I was looking at was um, him versus bell straight up. And I was liking Bell in that head-to-head matchup, but I just got like too shook because, like, looking at the the different stats, like one's better than the other, and and then just keeps going back back and forth, back and forth. And I know that people are really high on Bell this week. He's damn good. I, I think he could win this race with his eyes closed. Um, so it just kind of scared me off. But Truex uh, is another one. Like I said, coming into the race before the odds came out, I was like. You know, where's he going to be? I, I think I was just kind of let down that he wasn't better numbered uh, for the gamble. Like you said, they, they got it right this yeah, week. Yeah. So I, I felt like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to pass. But um, I'll, I'm fine throwing him on the card uh, for those reasons that you laid out there. And I will also say another big factor for me, too, is with this short track package, we've seen sometimes how it can be hard to pass. Um, and he is ranked number one for me in qualifying at New Hampshire. So, all right. So pole bet maybe. And, and if he qualifies well, you know, that, that really helps him out. Yeah. You're, you're right about, you know, being tough to pass. So um, even better, even better. Because if he does qualify poorly, I, I don't know if his number is going to shift that much to where you get like a huge uh, advantage to wait on him. So, uh, and if he does put the car on the pole, he's going to be like 450. <laughs> so that's the, that's the thing is like when Truex is fast off the truck, he's fast. So, yeah. Yeah, you're kind of you're hoping you're hoping for a good qualifying position. All right. Well, he's added to the board. Um, so we got Harvick question around his outright, and then we've got Truex outright seven to one um, at Bavada right now. So next guy I have, and I'm anxious to kind of hear before I get into my stats. I want to know where Joey Logano landed on your model. 
He is ninth. Ninth. Okay. Uh, and what about with your like plus plus or minus oh. for how it matches up with the the odds? Actually, plus one. He's one of the plus guys. So okay, because plus fourteen hundred is yeah. where he's sitting on uh, DraftKings, and I thought that was a little staggering. Like I saw that, I was like, "What? What's going on with Joey?" And then I started digging in, um, and I found that to me. This is some good value. Um, he, he's had success here. I like when guys know where victory lane is. That's the the quip that I keep making. Um, his last five races at New Hampshire, he's got two top fives, four top tens, which is, you know, really good compared to everyone else. And his average finish is fourth, 10.0. Uh, he finished 24th last year. And I think that, that might have the books a little shook. But if you look at that race, and you kind of dig into a little bit more than surface level at that 24th place finish. He started 12th. He was third by the mid race. So race his way up. He led 25 laps in that race. He had a 94 point plus driver rating in that race. And I don't remember what happened to him, but something took place to where he ended up getting knocked back to 24th um, to where he finished. So that was like, okay, imagine if he got the finish that he deserved in that racetrack. Like, we'd be talking about a, a much different number here than 14 to 1. Um, then you look at the last seven races on short flats. He's got uh, a win and three top fives, five top tens, second and average finish, 7.6. Now, I know that that's including the, the race that you did not include, uh, which was Phoenix in the championship. But in that time span, for what I'm looking at, he's first in driver rating. Like, what the hell? 2023, he's got one top five, two top tens, and three top 15s, and he's third in average finish. Um, he, he's got, in those three finishes, 11th at Phoenix this year, 7th at Richmond, 3rd at Gateway. He's getting stronger as we go, and I really like to see that. Um, so you take all that in consideration. You bundle that up, saying, why is he 14-1? to So I, I like the 14-1 to number. I said, how am I going to make money off of this guy? Uh, he's also plus 200 to finish in the top five. Um, you know, I, I think I'd rather go all out and go for the 14 to one call as opposed to the top five, but I'm open to hearing about it. Um, and, and this is another little tidbit. Okay. Um, I subscribe to win the race. Uh, I, I sh I'm sure you do as well, since you were talking about the, the front runners content. So every week I talk about their, pre-qualifying rankings all right so for example harvick is ranked number one this week which is good feather in the cap for our previous conversation <laughs> uh the winner since the all-star race okay and we're excluding the chicago street course because shane uh svg wasn't even i don't think ranked um the winner of the race has been ranked in the pre-ranks Anywhere from seven to ten. And you know where Logano is ranked this year or this week coming up for New Hampshire? Eighth. Uh, so he's right in that sweet spot, baby. Right in that sweet spot we're looking for here. And to me, that's fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for other ways to bet him, he's minus 130, or he was when I wrote this note down, minus 130 for a top 10 on Barstool. That I think is bettable. Uh, minus 130 is not too much juice. And he's going up against Chastain. 
Um, he's trying to find a head to head. He's minus 135 against Chastain. I don't know if I like that enough uh, to take that. So um, my thoughts are 14 to 1 for an outright and maybe minus 130 for a top 10. So any thoughts on Logano? Do you want to veto Logano? Do you want to get on the train there in any way, shape, or form? And if so, what is it? Yeah, I was trying to, as you were laying this out, like, what direction do I want to take? Because there's, there's part of me that wants to veto or, or even or even Venmo bet you here for a, for a matchup oh. that I have. Um, oh. But I think that you're right in the sense of, like, if we're going to play Logano, outright is the right play. I don't think, I wouldn't feel comfortable in any other facet. Like, matchups, finishing positions, like, I don't feel comfortable. Um, because just just looking at just this year, Although the finishes look decent at, and like you said, they've gotten better, but even though they're still decent overall, well, actually they're, they're better than decent. They're, he's ranked third in average finish at those, at the short tracks, but the drive rating doesn't quite line up. It, he's actually gotten a little lucky with like pitch strategy and stuff like that. However, that's also to your point an advantage, right? Because we know that they're going to do what they need to do to put themselves out in front because when Joey's up front, he's hard to pass. I think Denny actually said that today on Action Detrimental, Detrimental actually about like Joey Logano is the best about like if he's out front, he's going to, he may have a terrible car, but he ain't going to let you buy him. Um, so I'm not going to veto. I'm going to go, I'm going to let this one ride, but I do want to potentially Venmo bet you for a Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, even money bet here. Well, not even money. It's minus 115 each side. And I have Ryan oh. Blaney ranked seventh in my model against ninth for Joey Logano. I just think Blaney's been better at these tracks. Um, and, and for most of the stats that I have, um, I mean, we're talking about total speed in the next gen era, second at these short tracks compared to Logano's seventh. And then in just in 2023, seventh versus 10th in total speed. Um, if you look at like loop data stats, which I have off of the comp tracks as well, fifth versus 10th, um, loop data for New Hampshire is actually pretty close eighth and ninth. Um, but then total speed for both of them this year, obviously hasn't been the it's lower than you think it is. They're ranked 13th and 16th. So I'm not really comfortable betting like me personally, probably when either of them will be outright on the FHP card. Um, but I'm okay. Like you said, I think if anyone's willing to get it done at this number and catch, catch a, li- a live number on somebody like this, Logano is definitely the guy. Um, also, I do want to bring up one other point. Uh, I bring up our group chat quite often on our like podcast. And I think I've brought to you sometimes as well. We have a guy in our group chat. His name's Eric. Uh, he started doing this week in our this thing in our chat where he gives his gut pick of the week, and he hit Byron last week with his gut pick of the week. He had Blaney at the Coca-Cola 600. Well, before he even listened to the Twitter Spaces, show, he wanted me to call that out. He did not. He he said this before the Twitter Spaces show, and he heard you say Logano. Logano was his gut pick of the week, so I wanted to call that out. Well, then, I mean, it's got to be on the card. Then. I mean, <laughs> right? we got it. We got to throw it on. I'm, I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Uh, we got to ride the gut pick, no? Uh, yeah, have to. Well, as far as the Venmo bet, I love a good Venmo bet. Um, but I need to I need to look into that a little bit more. Um, that's fair. I, I have not really looked too much at Blaney. Um, trying to look at my notes here to see if I called him out in any facet. Um, no, I have not talked about him. In any way. So uh, I don't feel comfortable just like randomly accepting that bet, even though I do feel uh, pretty highly towards Logano. But maybe we 
we tweet that out on Sunday after I uh, dig in a little bit more. So we'll we'll figure that out as we go. So, uh, yeah, more to come on that one. But uh, we'll throw Logano out there as an outright little sprinkle. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit more uh, heavy towards it than Chris, but uh, it's on the card uh, nonetheless. So I'll let you go uh, next if you have anything. Yeah, I've got – I know we're going really long here. so But I do have like three other names I was going to talk about, but I'm just going to pick one for right now, and I'll see if you bring up one of the other ones or not. Um, but we don't have a matchup on the card yet. Even though I don't typically play matchups, sometimes when I see a matchup that I think is glaring – that especially between like my model, like just a big difference. Uh, I typically do. I will throw that on the card. And there's one in particular this week that really caught my attention. And it's William Byron versus Chase Elliott at even at, they're both at minus 115. And William Byron is ranked fifth for me. Chase Elliott is ranked 11th in my, in the model. Now, I don't know if you notice this when putting together your numbers, but the thing that makes this a little sketchy to play is that Chase Elliott has not run on any of these contracts. He was injured for the first two and then suspended for the other one. So we do not have a comp data, 2023 data point for Chase Elliott for any of these comp tracks, which is really strange. Um, but a point to against another point against Chase, right, is he ran really bad at Gateway last year. And then Corey LaJoy got in that car and ran equally as bad in that Gateway car. So the point I'm glaring from this is, I don't think the nine team has this, these tracks figured out like this track type. I don't think fits the nine teams model. Whereas Byron, like, I don't know how anybody could bet against this guy right now. Like, I think he, I mean, he's number one in total speed on the year. Number one in my loop data uh, tracking here. Number one in drive rate at the similar tracks. Number one in total speed at the similar tracks. Number one in total speed, the next gen era at the similar tracks. Like, he is glaringly like looking like a, a really good play. Now I will say his New Hampshire history is not so great. He's 13th in drive rating, 13th in an average finish. So, but I, I don't think you can look at that this year. I think it's, this year is a completely different story for Byron. We've seen the, already this year where there's been tracks that Byron's not typically good at and just on pure speed has been uh, a really good play. I also, I've said this on our podcast a few times. Does William Byron have the best pit crew of all time? Like how many times does he come in like fifth, sixth, seventh and like, gets the lead from it it's like how did they do that um so yeah and he also qualifies well he is at these comp tracks this year he's second uh in the model behind martin truex as far as qualifying so i don't think byron and chase elliott should be minus 115 both sides so i think byron is a a hammer play for this matchup all right so i agree with you with byron um needing to take Byron in some way. So I've got a few different things. And like you said, we are kind of going along here, but I, I still got a bunch of stuff written down. And I want to talk about kind of a combo. So I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. Okay. Um because I have Chase written down in a way as well. So uh the I had Byron in a matchup and the matchup actually got called out on the Twitter show. Um and I think it was for Kyle Bush. Um, so Kyle Bush over Byron, I think. Uh, I've got Byron plus 100 over Kyle on DraftKings. Um, and he's like minus 120 on Caesars. So, like, I think the call out was like minus 110 for Kyle Bush, right? 
And I was like, okay, you know, I'll kind of hear that. I don't remember who said it or, or if that's even exactly what it was. But uh, I thought to myself, all right, actually, I have an auto bet. An auto bet for me each week is when I look on, win the race, and I go off of those pre-ranks um, and I find the biggest discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And the biggest discrepancy going into New Hampshire this weekend is an eight-point discrepancy for William Bryan. He's ranked seventh and Bush is ranked 15th. Um, and the, the reason to be made for Bush in the matchup is because of the New Hampshire stats. I mean, Byron has never finished in the top 10 at New Hampshire. You just made a good point against that, right? It's a different year. He's performing uh, much better. Um, and even with him not really performing that well, uh, in the, the last five races at New Hampshire, he actually has a three to two lead on Bush head to head. Um, so he's been like, just kind of consistent, like 11 to like 14th has been his finishes. And, and, you know, that's his pocket of where he finishes. Um, in the last seven short flats, it's four to three Kyle. Uh, but it, it's not by a lot, right? Average finish is not by a lot. Um, this year on the short flats, it's, it's two to one Kyle. Uh, but like you said, things are just different for Byron this year. And um, to me, it's the discrepancy in the rankings. It's the plus money on DraftKings uh, in a head-to-head matchup on a guy that you just listed. I mean, his just overall like season stats. He's on another level. He's performing much better. And uh, the average starting position, I did not even equate that into this conversation. So I think to, to rip off of your point, I'd like to have William Byron in a matchup um, so we can continue that conversation. Now, where I'm spinning off into the Elliott conversation is I wanted to talk about Top Chevy because we talked about how they have been garbage, I guess, as far as like being able to win the race. But whenever I see a big drought like that, uh, I want to say, all right, well, where are we going to find a, a Toyota? Uh, or excuse me, a, a, I meant to say last week I was looking at Toyota's at the, the track style we were just at super speedways or Atlanta. And, you know, where are we going to find a, a Toyota, you know, last week and, and where do they fit in this week? It's Chevy. Where have the Chevy's been finishing and who's been getting that top Chevy billing the last seven races. It's been a Hendrick motorsport driver. Okay. Three for Larson, three for Elliot, one for William Byron. And, that's a pretty like you can like zero in there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring up Elliot because he actually have two of the last three races. He's been the best Chevy finisher at New Hampshire. Um, And he's plus three eighty to, to get that. Now we've got Kyle Busch in a Chevy this year. So that kind of makes things a little bit different, but um, I just kind of made the case against Kyle a a second ago. Um, Larson is the favorite at plus two thirty. So to me, you're saying to yourself, all right, do you want Larson or do you want Elliott? Um, and in your case, do you want Byron as well? Because if you like Byron over Elliott, uh, he's plus 380. So it's really interesting. I mean, Chase's numbers at New Hampshire are pretty good. Uh, two top fives, three top tens, you know, in his last five races, six in driver rating. Um, it just, you know, something to, to look at. I know that we were kind of downplaying you know, his current situation with the nine team, but um, he's been able to do it two of the last three years, top Chevy. To me, that's interesting. Um, So I wanted to throw that bet in there to kind of just like, we got a a bunch of different 
things to look at there. So um, I would like to take William Byron in a head-to-head matchup. Um, do you like him better against Kyle or do you like him better against Chase? Yeah, I'm on the fence here. Like, I think when, as you were – like, I think I was very much on the Byron over Chase, but then you've – as you were talking about how Chase is good in New Hampshire, I'm like, yeah, you're right. He is good. Um, I think I feel comfortable, more comfortable with the Chase, to be honest, just because, I mean, with the one track style we have seen Kyle Busch be good at this year has been these kind of shorter tracks. I mean, he's fifth and average finish – um eighth actually in total speed on both so kind of middle of the pack um but yeah i don't know kyle Busch scares me a little bit I, I think i feel a little safer with chase but but i'll leave it up i'll leave the decision up to you no i'm fine with that so let's let's take byron over elliot at what was he minus 115 yep all right so byron over elliot and then do you want any action on top chevy i mean larson this season actually let's let's just start the conversation there does does kyle larson intrigue you in any way this year because I, or this race because i'm trying to figure out a way to to make a little money on him um i don't know if i want to take him out right because the chevy thing kind of scares me um head-to-head matchups you know are, are weird you're not going to get him at a good number for like top 10 or anything like that um plus 230 to be top chevy he's Three for three, finishing in the top five this year. His average finish on the uh, comp tracks in 2023 is 3.0. I mean, that's absolutely sick. So plus 230. One. What was it? Which is number one. It's number one in my model on average finish at this comp yeah, tracks. Yeah, out of everyone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, are you into maybe top Chevy for Larson plus 230? Or do you think that's too chalky? I mean, I can get plus three fifty for top Chevy on Larson. So what on on uh, Bovada? Yeah. So um, is he the favorite there? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So and, do you like that and number? I think honestly, I'm convinced because um, he's 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 fourth in my model, which is the top Chevy behind the three type Toyotas. Um, so I can be convinced on that for sure. I mean, like you said, first and average finish. At these short tracks, second in driver rating, third in total speed, just this year. I mean, it's just this is just 2023 stats. Um, he's really turned a corner at this this style of track. Because I would say coming in this year, I wouldn't say short tracks were Larson's forte, but yet again, the best driver in the world has figured out another track style, and that's scary for everybody else. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, good stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to write down where we're getting these numbers here. Um, all right, so. That knocks out a, a couple different bets, and that's a, another look at the card here. Um, all right. I went on a rant there for a little while. Um, I only had two other things to bring up to you. So do you have anything else to throw out there? I got um, – I have one I want to bounce off of you, and then I have one that's kind of fun. So I'll make okay. them quick. Right. I'll make them quick. All right. Um, I think I want to be on – brad in some in some sort of facet this week you're you're Um, you're hitting on where i'm going go ahead okay okay cool um so i would vote for a plus 110 top 10 on brad that would be my vote um so yeah i mean 
I, I think this this the stat that shocks me the most was his New Hampshire history is pretty phenomenal. Um, I'm only looking at the last two years. I think you went a little bit further back than me, but for me, for the last uh, two years, he's first in drive rating, first in average finish. But over his career, second in average finish. So I mean, I mean, it just keeps going. Like second in average finish, or sorry, uh, eighth in average qualifying, fourth in the loop data just in New Hampshire. And then just taking a step back from the data for a second, I feel like there's been two track types where RFK has been good at this year, and it's been super speedways, obviously. And these this short, flat-style track, RFK has, has shown an, an immense amount of improvement um, from last year. So, yeah, Brad ranks 12th for me in my model. And to get plus money on a top 10, especially coming off a week where I think they had last week circled, um, and he was pushing really hard to get to get that victory last week. I think this uh, this could suit to be another really good finish for him. I don't think he's going to have the win the winning the win equity, but like a prop play is I think a fantastic play on Brad this week. I I love Brad this week. Um, I have him. So I have written down Brad uh, plus one hundred five for a top ten. Is that the number that you had him at? I got plus one ten. Plus yeah, one ten. Is that Bavada? Okay, I had him on yeah. um, Barstool. Let me let me while we're talking, um, pull up Barstool and see what his number is there. Um, but I guess like Bavada is actually probably a good book to riff on because anybody has the ability to get Bavada yeah. uh, as opposed to some of these other books. Um, so yeah, uh, Brad Kozlowski. I mean, we talked about Brad on the NASCAR betting preview show. Um, 22 to one was called out as an outright. Um, and our, our guest, you know, on that show this week had said like, he's going to the race, it's his home track. And, uh, he's throwing the biggest bet he's made this year on Brad as an outright, uh, okay. 22 to one. So really, uh, kind of encouraging if you're on Brad, yeah, he's plus one of five on uh, Barstool. So whether you have, you know, a legal bet or, or, uh, Bavada or whatever onshore, offshore, uh, it's pretty much the same number. I'm into that. Now, I want to see if you want to double down on Brad. Okay. Because I, I don't know if I, you know, maybe personally I'll throw a little something on Brad because I'm cheering for him. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as the card, I threw this out there earlier, and I, I like it. Um, minus 115. It's a head-to-head matchup with Brad. He's going up against Bubba Wallace. And it's, to me, a fade Bubba situation, but it's it's a like Brad situation. So, uh, my full rundown here, last five at New Hampshire, you spelled it out. He looks really good at New Hampshire, and and it's true. One win, two top fives, four top tens, 10.6 average finish. That's sixth in that time span. But his driver rating is second, 109 and change. Bubba finished third in the race last year, and I think that this is why they're matched up evenly, minus 115. They're heavily looking at what went down last year. But outside of that third-place finish, he doesn't have a top 20 in five starts in New Hampshire. Um, so there's that last seven short flats. Uh, it's been super close and average finish. That third place finish is what Bubba's kind of like riding on. Um, whereas Brad has two top tens. And I think when you're looking at some of these, like call them like mid pack guys, I don't mind extending like my odds or excuse me, my stats out to top twenties, um, because it's telling me like who can kind of keep it clean, who can stay on the weed lap, et cetera. And he's, Brad's got five of seven top 20 finishes where Bubba only has three top 20s in the last seven short flat tracks. 
Um, so it's just like, to me, more consistent. And this season, Brad's got two top tens, um, two or one top 10, two top 15s. His average finishes 18.7 on the, the short flats. Not phenomenal, uh, but Bubba, his best finish is 14th. That's always got to his name. His average finish is 22 and change. So that's a you know really big difference in average finish there. And it's a six-spot difference on when the race is rankings heading into the week. So a uh, big discrepancy there um, falls just short by one spot of the biggest discrepancy um, that we called out earlier. So minus 115 for Brad over Bubba is a head-to-head that I really like. Um, so I know that you're not always in on the head-to-heads, but is that something that you'd want to add to the card as well? Yeah, it's funny you brought this one up because I have this access to this one as well, but I have minus one twenty five for Brad, so I wasn't quite on board at minus one twenty five. Mm. But if you can get minus one minus one fifteen, you can talk me into it because um, I think, like I said, similar to Byron versus Chase was a six place differential. Brad and and Bubba is also a six place differential for me, but I just liked the minus one fifteen for Byron earlier, so that's why I chose that one. But if you can get minus one fifteen for Brad here as well, I would I would hundred percent be down to double down. All right, let's do it, man. So we'll double down on Brad. Um, I'll call out, uh, you said minus or plus 110, and then uh, Brad over Bubba minus 115 on DK. There we go. All right. Um, the only other name that I had to throw your way, uh, you tell me, are, are we are we looking at Almarol in any way, shape, or form this week? He's plus 140 for a top 10. Man, so Almirola is this guy where I feel like every time I jump on the bandwagon for Almirola, he lets me down, um, last week included. Um, so, yeah, I I don't think so. Not All for right, me. We'll veto, we'll veto Almirola. We'll veto him. We haven't really vetoed too many people, but he's getting vetoed. Let me let me bring a name for for you, and then I didn't bring up my fun bet a minute ago. But oh, the other yeah. the other the other name I was going to bring up to you was actually Alex Bowman. How do you feel about Alex Bowman this week? I haven't looked at Bowman at all, and that's because he hasn't jumped off the page to me in my my notes. Um, now he was hurt uh, earlier in the season for one of these races, right? Yep, yep. He missed. Um, which one did he miss? He missed. Oh, actually, did he? Did he not? Actually, oh, maybe honestly... he didn't. Where did I thought Barry filled in for him? In because uh, Barry has like two top tens this year on the show. I don't. I don't have any stats populating for Bowman for Dover, Kansas, or Darlington. So okay, so I mean, I got him top ten for average finish on the short flats. He's is fourteen point three. Yeah. Um, you know, I he's I just, he's one that he has not uh, really come across anything for me. So here's the quick case. I'll keep it quick, but yeah, ten like you said, tenth average finish of the comp tracks. Eighth in drive rating at the comp tracks. And then he's actually rating as fifth in total speed for the full year among all drivers. Um, which I know there's four races omitted from when, while he was injured. Um, but he's shown speed when he's been out there. Um, and on top of that, he has won here. He's won in New Hampshire before. So I just feel like Bowman's that guy where like, you've got to catch him when you're least expecting it kind of thing. And I feel like this, this could be a week where he could come out and really show out. Um, so I, I don't, I, I've been, I've been really close to clicking the outright. Um, oh, because he, outright. he's at, he's at 30 shit. to one. 
but if you'd feel more comfortable going like the top 10 market, obviously you can get, I think plus 200 was the number I saw earlier. Let me yeah. I'm that. looking at Barstool right now. He's two to one. For yeah. Top plus 200. But I'll give you I the mean, option I... to veto since I vetoed on the roll. So man. Oh, the two to one number is interesting. Um, shit. Right. Let me, here, let me bring one other one your way. Cause I was, I was on the fence on this one too. I have, I don't know if this is on other books or not, but I have a group E with Alex Bowman. The other guys in that group are Daniel Suarez, Ty Gibbs, and Chris Busher. And you can get Bowman at plus two twenty. No. I don't want I don't want to fuck with those guys. I, I could see Gibb I could see Gibbs putting a, a top ten car out there. Um and, and Suarez is sneaky. I I'm 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 not messing with that. Is he the favorite in that matchup? In that group? Well him and Suarez are tied for the favorite. Huh. Yeah, that, that matchup scares me. I mean, I'd be fine just taking him like doing his own thing, trying to get a top ten plus two hundred, but um man that would uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say no just okay just for now but maybe that's one where what's the best you know if he puts it on the pole that number what does that change to minus 110 right i would feel better taking that minus 110 for a top 10 after seeing him kick ass in practice and qualifying than just kind of taking a swing uh, because he's been fast overall, you know, in the year. That's, yeah. That's um, I mean, his average finish is 14.1 on the short flats. That's not going to get us our win. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a bet. So I'll, I'll say no for now, but maybe we, you know, text about it and um, we'll see where we land later. All right. Here's my fun one. What's your maybe, fun bet? Maybe I'm just a sucker for these bets. Cause I brought a similar one up on the Twitter spaces last week, but Bavada has some race specials out there right now. And they've got one that caught my interest at a price of 40 to 1. You can get Bell, top Toyota, Harvick, top Ford, Larson, top Chevy. 40, 40 to 1? 40 to 1? 40, yeah. 1? 40 to 1. Sign me up. Let's Sign me up. <laughs> I, I think those guys could finish 1, 2, 3. Yeah, um, right. So, so give, me that, give me that trifecta uh, straight. Yeah, Bell – Bell, Harvick, Larson, one, two, three. Uh, but yeah, uh, 40 to one. Usually those things are pretty shitty. Like Caesars has one. It's like, it's, it's like Blaney and Bell to both finish in the top 10 or something like that. And it's like plus 200. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no, I, I, I'm not digging that. Or maybe it was like Blaney and Suarez. Like one of the guys was, sorry, I'm backtracking. Blaney and Bubba um, to finish in the top 10 both of them they need to be like a parlay and it was like plus 200 bubba's like plus 130 by himself yeah. like why would i you know i'd rather just take that um so usually they're pretty shitty 40 to 1 it's not too shabby um i wonder what that would be if you could take a parlay you know what i mean it what that number would be and and if that's anywhere better but um yeah i, I mean i i would add that so um should I should I add the fun bet to the card here? I mean, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so Bavada right. won't let me. They won't let me parlay them together to see what it would be, and I'm not smart enough to know how to do the math on this. Yeah, but that's fine. All right, so uh, let's see. Bell top Toyota. And 
Larson type Chevy and who Harvick. was it? Oh, Harvick. Yeah. I mean, these are all the big dogs. Forty to one. Okay. Well, uh, that's pretty interesting. I like the fun bet, and uh, yeah, that's the so what we landed on, and I'll organize this a little bit better to look at. But um, I'll try to go through. Let's see. We've got Truex for an outright seven to one. Logano for an outright fourteen to one. We're looking at a Harvick outright, but we got to see what the number is after qualifying. Um, Harvick top five. We're taking plus one forty on Barstool. Um, we like Brad top 10 plus 110, um, 105 on, on Barstool. Uh, and then for some matchups, we've got Byron over Elliot minus 115. We've got Brad over Bubba minus 115. And then we've got that fun bet that you just uh, listed out there with the top manufacturer bet. So good, good little card there. I liked it. We vetoed some guys, said no, and, and, um, we were on uh, a lot of similar stuff anyway, heading in. So um, pretty normal week, I'd say. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with this. I mean, like I said, I don't even have many clicks myself, but I would tail a lot of these bets. So that's what we wanted to achieve here tonight. Yeah, that's right. Well, Chris, um, we, we said before we started recording, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think we're going to try to keep this to a crisp, like 45 to an hour. It, it, we're an hour and 40 minutes in. Um, <laughs> But, so I really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, I know that you got a lot going on in your personal life with the, a big move going on. You've you know got some some family stuff happening soon. So um, to to be able to take you know this much of your time on a weeknight is uh, it means a lot. So I appreciate you doing that. And um, I think the reason we go along is because I have a, a lot of fun talking with you. So um, can't thank you enough, man, for jumping on tonight. No, and I, I appreciate you. Like I said, I've probably said this a million times on here, but you know, a lot of the reason why I even started the podcast that we have going is because of your show. So it's always an, an, a privilege and an honor to, to come on here and, and chat with you. And it's it's always so cool that I even consider you a friend. Like it's just crazy to me that I'd listen to your show as a fan and now we are legitimately friends. So I think that's always a cool <laughs> factor of this. It is cool. I mean, it really is cool. And, um, you know, you mentioned like trying to get down to Atlanta. Um, I mean, I, I've just been daydreaming about like going to various races. We were looking at Rodney Childers vacation home um, <laughs> in a text thread, trying to rent that out. So uh, yeah, the fact that we were, we're even, you know, looking at that stuff and, and talking about um, meeting up more and, and doing more stuff combined is um, it really is really cool. Um, and and thank to the internet for, for all of this and, and being able to make that possible. So uh, yeah, crazy crazy world but it is uh i'm glad that we're we're having fun doing it so um yeah great stuff we'll, we'll hopefully hit some stuff here at the magic mile and uh i said earlier on the other show i really did not like this racetrack growing up but i am very much looking forward to this track this weekend uh it's been it's become kind of a a track that i look forward to so it's unique and uh hopefully we can make some money until they come down to Pocono. So, uh, Chris, say it again. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, and I hope you have a good week. Yeah, you guys too. All right, so we're going to close out another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, hopefully, get a chance to make some money this weekend. And we've got our pockets full heading into Pocono. 
Uh, remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week for Go. Have no place to go.